This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Happy Zanzaman from UK Education and Faith Foundation, better known as UK, Together with a bunch of brilliant organisations who are working on the ground in Rochdale, we've gathered tales of overcoming adversity from women who come from all walks of life. Hi, my name's Jenny Miller and I'm the Domestic Abuse Service Manager at Rochdale Connections Trust. I'm here today with Holly and Holly, if you can just give me something about you, what makes you Holly? Yeah, I think first and foremost I'm a mum, partner, daughter, all those kind of labels. And then the majority of work I do is around therapeutic stuff and helping people to get support and making sure people aren't left behind. So what is your job then? My title is Project Service Manager, which doesn't actually tell you what I do. I help run mentoring services, counselling services. I supervise about 10 counsellors. I've also got a private practice in the evenings that I run supporting people one-to-one to make sure that obviously they get mental health needs met and they've got some support. So busy? Yes, very, but I love it. I love every minute of it. Good. So... What's your story about then? When did it begin? So, I think when I thought, when I got asked to do this, I was thinking, what do I want to tell? Um, and actually, don't really tell people a lot about my background. There's a few select people that know. But uh, it's not something that I'm ever ashamed of, so I wanted to be able to share it. I got to about 16, and my relationship broke down with my mum, and it started from there. Why was that? I think she was going through some stuff with my sister and I was going through normal teenage rebellion stage. I'd been a fairly A-star, straight student all the way through, worked part-time, paid rent, all the normal things. And we went through a lot with my sister, who at the time sort of running away from home, hanging around with unsavoury characters. And, you know, there was a lot of leaning on me to look after my sister as well. So when I hit sort of 16, maybe 16 and a half, started going to sixth form, I went on one night out and didn't come back and it wasn't received very well when I got home. So okay. I never went home after that day. So what did you do? Spent quite a lot of time uh, on sofas. Um, I met somebody and slept at their house, people's floors, friends' houses. And then eventually after months of doing that I went into a hostel and went from there. Was you still doing sixth form? Uh, no I'd dropped out I never really thought that was for me anyway it was very after doing education for years and doing really well it was so tight and I wanted something that I could be a bit more free in mm-hmm. and you know with sixth form and you're not allowed to leave the campus even though you've got a four hour free period yeah. it never really fit who what I wanted so I, I sort of left looking for, OK, I can't really do that while I'm homeless because I never know where I'm sleeping day to day. Um, so I've had to obviously leave education. And then I got pregnant, so it was never going to be going back because I was pregnant. OK. Pregnant, homeless, well, mm. just gone into a, a hostel. Yeah. What was your thoughts? What were, what were you oh, planning? God, I have no idea. I didn't know what I was going to do in terms of pregnancy. I think it was actually my little sister who was 15 at the time that was very excited when I told her and that's what made me decide actually that's something I want to go through with and it definitely my best decision I ever made but obviously one that was tough when you were homeless and you didn't have any family support and no money and no job and no career and yeah it wasn't uh, the easiest time. I didn't tell anyone, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was four months gone 
because I was just all over the place. Mm. So I was what I was literally walking around with a JD bag full of clothes and I didn't even know it period was like the last thing on my mind. Mm. Never noticed anything. And and yeah, so it was quite late on, so I think by then it, they kind of had just had to accept that that was it what it was. My dad called me a stupid cow, but then said, I love you and I'll do whatever you need me to. But I didn't have room for me to stay there because I had my two siblings, my brothers and my sister all staying in a small house. Mm. So I couldn't take me in. And then my mum, oh, I think my mum came with me to my five-month scan and that's the first time she'd probably spoken to me properly in about six months and didn't really... She was, she, she was quite unforgiving at that time. Uh, we're a very different relationship now, but at that time was quite unforgiving. And I think took a lot of what happened very personally um, and I don't blame her for that at all. It can't have been nice after my sister doing what she did for them, me to go and do something similar. Yeah. So, you know, looking back and reflecting on it, I understand why, but I think she became then, knowing I was pregnant, more of a support and yeah. started to change the relationship then. So what happened next? I moved into a hostel in Rochdale, met some absolutely fantastic people actually. I don't think I, that when people always said, did you not hate it living there? I think, no, I didn't. They were so lovely and they looked after me like family. And probably because they know what it's like not to have one. And I was 16 and frightened. Yeah. So they really did look after me. I got some support from a worker that worked, I can't remember where she worked for, but she's still Rochdale based now, or Middleton. So she ended up getting me some therapy through, I think it was hype at the time. Right. Um, so I went and had a couple of sessions or 12 sessions or whatever you had back then. And then she got me into a mother and baby unit in Rochdale. Wow. Made sure that I had everything I needed, got me support worker, and it kind of went from there, really. So I think the hostel was probably the, the lower part of not knowing what was going to happen yeah. and being quite frightened and not everybody being savoury and not everyone being nice and not everyone being kind. And mm. there was some times in there that I didn't feel very comfortable. Um, but again, staff being really good and making sure I was looked after. So you, you can kind of, you, you really get like the, the hostel and the, the supported housing mm. uh, kind of thing now. Mm. So what, what was going through your mind? What was the next step for you? Obviously moved out of the the hostel into the mother and baby unit and it was more about, okay, let's have the baby, but get back into education because I never wanted to take that gap really. Mm. I think if I'd not have left home I, the likelihood would have been I would have left worked for maybe 12 months and then gone back into a college rather than a sixth form yeah so I, let's follow something similar in terms of that plan I spent the first year of my son being born probably living all over the place still I obviously moved out of mother and baby unit moved back in with family stayed somewhere else stayed somewhere else um, until I got my first property when he was just before he was one and then was fairly settled. Again, got more support from another support worker that I'm not going to mention, but absolutely loved. Used to come round and help me out with anything I needed. And mm -hmm. really, she would just come and have a brew because, uh, you know, she'd always come round and say, do you want me to help you clean up or do anything? But like, no, it's all done. I'm pretty good with stuff like that. Again, my mum brought us up in a way where we were lived with a single parent. We had to be on top of things and yeah. bills always had to be paid. And we knew how to manage all that kind of stuff from being really young, so that was never really a, an issue. And then I went back into college where just before I turned two, so I'd had them two years at home with him. Loved it, absolutely loved it, but needed something different. Being, He was a very sickly child, so I spent a lot of time in hospital with breathing difficulties and asthma and whatever else. 
So I'm glad that I didn't work or do anything yeah. because of that. But actually, I'm, you know, when your brain starts to go a bit mushy and you think, yeah. it's time to go back now. So he started nursery, I started college. I did a two-year course at Hotwood Hall. And then I went to university to do my undergraduate. Worked part-time while I was doing that. And then went on to do my postgraduate. Again, worked while I was doing that volunteered everywhere you could think of so I got, got experience of what I wanted to work in and what I didn't yeah. and then kind of just it's just carried on going up and up and up from there This is the Stories of Strength podcast a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale So it, looking back then yeah. you know Knowing what you went through, you know, you went from kind of living in a family and growing up with mm. a, a single mum who had boundaries and rules and you knew how to clean and, and do your bills and everything and all of a sudden you were flitting around from one place to another. But in your mind there must have been something what kind of didn't give up for any reason. Why were that? I think the support workers and the counsellor. I always wanted to do either counselling or social work right. was and knowing that from probably being about 12 years old I wanted to do a job where I could help people okay. and it was around mental health I don't know why I thought social work would do that because I know that that's not the case now but back then it was a actually have a look at supportive roles and it was always my favorite thing to do so I think when I went into counselling and experienced what someone did for me it just gave me that little bit of a life doesn't have to be like this you okay. get to choose and even though my family weren't, I didn't speak to any of them when I started having counselling. And I remember her doing an exercise where she pulled out a load of characters and asked me to describe each character as one of my family members. And she watched where I placed them all and watched where I placed myself. And it was just so, it felt, actually, yeah, I can do this. This is, I have to make my own family. Yeah. Um, I have to do things for myself because I could sit and think, oh, I've got no family, no money and I'm homeless. Or I could do something about it. Okay. So that was where I thought, right, but I, I know that at that time, it's different than it is now, I feel. I think if I'd have gone through that now in today's society, yeah. with the limited opportunities people have got, and funding-wise, it's not always there. I was really lucky in terms of having the support workers that I had. Yeah. Um, I remember my washing machine being broken, and one of them saying, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get you something. And two weeks later, a washing machine turned up, because there was a fund there that was able yeah. to pay for that for people that didn't have a lot of money. I don't think it's that easy now in yeah. terms of things being restricted. So if you could go back and change anything? Oh. I think there's definitely some relationships I probably would have chosen not to get into. You know, some of them that were... I stayed single for quite a long time before I met my current partner because I didn't want to introduce people to my son that weren't going to stay in his life, so it was just having dates and stuff like that but I think there's definitely some of those characters that I would think no oh, I could have done without that <laughs> especially when you're trying to study and you've got all you know you want to concentrate on things that are going to progress you and then you get into a relationship and it's not a nice and there's definitely a drawing of that you're a single parent you should be in a relationship um again friends always saying well you're single you know that kind of a you need some kind of dampen your son and like, actually I, I wish I'd not listened to some of that yeah. and just stayed and done what I wanted to do but I think because yeah because it does get lonely at times and I know that it was a long time being on my own so the rest of it story-wise I don't think anything yeah. I learned so much from the people that I lived with in the hostel from my whole experience I think all of it even though bad things happened it's all a learning experience. It's got me to where I am now. And I'm stronger for it. 
Well, that would be my next question. Do you consider yourself a strong person? Yeah. I don't think you can go through all that um, without... There has to be some resilience there, but that is down to the people that supported me as well. Yeah. When I didn't have my family. And like I said, from being... When my son was born, family was absolutely there. Yeah. And I've been ever since. So how do you think your friends and family would describe you? Oh, well, it depends who you speak to. <laughs> friends probably would say it's consistent support. I love them to pieces. I tell them all the time I love them to pieces because they were there for me at my hardest times and I've been there for them at theirs. Mm. So I think we've we've got a really loving relationship with my friends and I count my friends on one hand because I have people I'm acquainted with and people I love but not they're not there like yeah. they are and they know me inside and out I actually tell everyone one of my best mates is my soulmate because she's just in everything and been there through thick and thin family oh, probably tell you I just mourn all the time yeah she's a right winger but we'll do anything for any of them how would your son describe you oh my god he would just he calls me a smother I don't feel like I am but he, yeah, that's that's his nickname, Smother, because I look after him and I love him, but to death. I feel like we've given him loads of freedom in this past sort of 12 months with him age range changing and uh, he's left school. But again, with GCSEs and stress and COVID, there was a lot of me sitting at the side of him going, do that now. So yeah, he probably would tell you that I just nag him all the time, but it is always, and he knows it's for his benefit. Yeah. So what word of advice would you offer someone who was going through what you've been through? Oh, I think it's really easy to focus on all the negative things. And uh, as in, yeah, it's not a good situation to be in. Living in a hostel was never something I wanted to experience. Mm. Um, I never really wanted to live in a mother and baby unit. That was never on my cards. I didn't really want to be a parent till I was in my 30s. Mm. But it happened. I had to find a way to accept it and work with it, and I did. And I think that's what I would say to people. Go and have the therapy. Go and get the support. Don't sit on your own. Don't be lonely with it. Mm. You know, I, I still go for therapy now, even if I'm all right. I think, well, it's good to have something there just in case. So I think that's, that's me just being an advocate for mental health and not being on your own with things. Talk to people. I had a college tutor that was absolutely brilliant with me in terms of still is now, actually. Still keeps in contact and tells me how brilliant I am and how proud of me she is. And I think it's that when you have those connections with other people and they're praising you for the good things you're doing, yeah. it makes you work harder. So I think that's what I'd, I'd be saying to people. Just don't be on your own with things. So you're Rochdale-based. I am. And you talk about the support you had in Rochdale. So would you consider that... Or would you say that Rochdale has helped you? Oh, my God, 100%. I hear loads of bad things about Rochdale. And, and you know, I, I live with two people that don't want to live here and they want to move. And I love it. I love my hometown because I was born here. It's given me so many opportunities. I had grants for my college and my university to help me get there. You know, scholarship money to do my master's. I would never have been able to afford the fees and stuff if it wasn't for things like that. So yeah. there are things that are there for in terms of education. But I think in terms of like supporting me into housing and you know helping me, I, I would I at 17 years old know how to manage all these bills and all these extra things. I didn't even know we had to pay council tax until someone came round and showed me. <laughs> so it's that kind of having the, we, there's a lot of support out there for people. I'll advocate for Rochdale all day long. So what about women then in Rochdale? Has any Rochdale woman inspired you, or if not, any anybody in the world? Yeah, I think when I watched... I always think there's, there's a little bit of me that always wants to send me mum because she brought two kids up on her own. Mm. 
and had a crappy job until she was in her late 30s, went back to college, did her GCSEs, her A-levels, and then studied at university and has been a teacher ever since. You know, for me, that's inspiring to, at that age to yeah. decide to change everything about yourself. And again, been in some really crappy relationships and whatever else. Watching some of the professionals I've worked with, working where I work, I work with some really headstrong, inspiring women that definitely I started where I work as a volunteer and I've I've worked my way up, but because I've been pushed to try new things, go and learn this, go and do this course. Um, So for me, you know, listening to all that, and I feel very privileged to listen to all that, it's a story of kind of, you know, lows and highs, and throughout that, something within you Mm. kept you going and yes there was support workers to help you with that but there Mm. was something built in within you tower of strength or something yeah i think it's just resilience isn't it you know you get knocked down you get back up there isn't any other way to to do it. It, it it's about how you deal with after effects of things of course i've been through bad things but then you accept it and you move on which I know isn't easy for people and trauma's a real thing and we, we all go through bad things, but I think it's, like I said, asking for the help. How do you manage it? How do you cope with things after they happen? And accepting the help. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this Stories of Strength episode. If you've been affected by the issues raised in the show notes, you will find some support information. Now it's over to you. How did this story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actionettogether.org.uk. These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel who needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you've trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with. For this series, this includes Deeplish Community Centre, Downhill Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking your time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners received podcast training delivered by Mike Media and the series producer is Daniel Porter.